0: Welcome to the Abundant Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Welton. I'm a speaker, consultant, and thought leader here at Abundance.io. In this podcast, you'll discover your strengths, find turnkey business models, and get expert guidance for life's biggest financial moments. Where we have trained and consulted over 35,000 entrepreneurs on how to start their first online business and we've helped existing business owners start their second and third stream of income. You can learn more at abundance.io, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and the Abundant Leap Podcast.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode, and very special episode of the None of Your Business Podcast, as you can see. I have jettisoned off Lacey, and we have a very special, we could even call you today co-host because you're in the co-host seat. I love it. We've never had a guest be in the studio with us in that seat, especially not this studio. I don't know if we've ever done one in the other studio with a guest. Have we done? We we Yes, we've, we interviewed the Arbuckles there. Um, So yes, we've done the other studio with the guests, but we have with us super special guests and I'm super excited to dive into a lot of your concepts, your philosophies on life and business that are going to be super useful for all of you. So you're going to absolutely love this. We have with us today, Chance Welton and his whole thing, your sort of theme, your your catchphrase is a abundance. Like you are just about abundance, which is probably one of our favorite topics here on the None of Your Business podcast. We love talking about abundance. I'm actually sad that Lacey's not here because that's one of her things, mostly because Lacey has had to do a lot of work um, on framing her mind to accept abundance. And there's so many little things, right, that we do. Absolutely. Like expectations, like, oh, I I want to make, I don't know, five million dollars, but then what happens is we don't even realize how limiting that is and that we're not actually open. And one of Lacey's big things right now is I'm open to overflow. I'm open to even more than what I think is possible. So I'm super excited to have you with us. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, we, we got to meet at the Billy Joel Stevie Nicks concert at that beautiful suite that Meltzer put together at the, at the stadium. It was awesome. And we had a great conversation there. And uh, yeah, now we're right here for VCon and it timed up just right. So I'm excited about to be here. perfectly
1: timed out. And you, and you said, oh, you came all the way out here. I think most people don't know how far <laughs> out we live, not necessarily on a farm, but not close to Indianapolis by any means. So we appreciate you making the drive.
0: I love it. I live in the country too. I live up in the mountains. Like I'm away from the cities. So I, I, I get what you're getting at. You're down with that. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And golf,
1: I found out. Oh, I, yeah. I just I recently found out about your passion for golf. So sometime soon we'll have to get out and uh, we'll play some golf together. We always start every podcast off with this exact same question because when you interview somebody and you understand this from your experience and, you know, you're around a lot of very powerful and known people. And so when people are known, so people are like, oh, cool, it's Chance. I watch him on Instagram. I, I'm plugged in with him. It's easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking because we don't know your past mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah, he's super successful. But then that's probably because, and then we have, every one of us has like, oh, because he was born into it, or he ha- his brother helped him, or something happened along the way. Tell us a little bit about your creation story and how you end up being here, not just here, but here in life, um, surrounded by success and surrounded by so many successful people.
0: Absolutely. So I grew up on a farm in Idaho, and uh, you know my dad taught us work ethic at a very young age, you know, we, we would, you know, go out and feed the animals before we go to school. He's like, "Oh, we want a pig." Well, do you know how a pig like needs to live? And we're like, "Yeah, you just buy a pig, and he figures it out." <laughs> he's like, "Now he needs water. He needs food. You know how much food he's going to eat?" I'm like, we have no idea. We just want a pig, you know, because we saw uh, Charlotte's Web, <laughs> and they have that pig in there. I'm like, we want a we want a cool pig, right? <laughs> so he taught us responsibility at a very young age. Like, if you want that, great, but like these are the things that go along with it. And I feel like you learn a lot of those core principles and, and understanding is like really how the world works and where food comes from. Uh, when you live out in the country, I think, I think it's a, it was a really important foundation for me to build off of. And, you know, my grandfather the same way worked really hard, had a farm that my dad started, his farm is out in Marsing, Idaho near the Stank river. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, and then we, we wanted a pony, so we got a pony and started riding <laughs> a pony. And, and it was just like a really fun upbringing. And I remember after school, I'd helped my dad with like irrigating and and working and stuff. And he was, I said, so how much am I getting paid? He said, well, you had breakfast this morning, didn't you? You Slept in a warm bed last night, didn't you? You got shoes on your feet, don't you? You got to ride to school tomorrow, don't you? I said, absolutely. He said, okay, I think we can call it even. <laughs> <laughs> So, but he said, you know, once you, you know, get into your teens, then I'll start painting. So I remember at 13, um, literally to the date I was waiting for it, I was like, okay, hey, this is when I start start getting rich, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe like 10, 20 bucks an hour. I was like, no, I started at five bucks an hour. And so we'd be picking rocks out of fields because we're out in the, you know, in the desert in Idaho. And a lot of that farm land uh, hadn't really been farmed before. And so we were literally picking rocks out of the ground and then you know filling up the back of a truck. And that was like really my first job that I remember so vividly of like, wow, this is, this is work. Hmm. This is a lot of work. And, and so that's how we grew up. And you know eventually I was like, man, there's gotta be something else out there. My dad's was like, do you want me to hand off the farm to you? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where's the farm today? Is it still in the family?
0: Uh, no, so he's solely downsized. So we owned about a hundred acres and then we leased About another four or five hundred acres, so it was a a big operation. You know, we had four or five other uh, farm hands that were working with us, and uh, yeah, that's not what I wanted to do, Um, but I learned a lot of responsibility around that. And you know, my dad taught us to drive at a very young age, how to operate machinery and dirt bikes, and you know, it it just. But then, if you wanted those things, you got to take care of them, right? So. Um, you know, went to high school, played sports, and then you know, eventually it was like, I just want to get a job in the city. Like, I just want to get away from the farm. So I started, you know, bussing tables, working, you know, line cook, that sort of thing. Where's the city? The city at the time was Boise, Boise, which which now is like, now is a city. Back then was still kind of. But, uh, but when, when you were when you were on the
1: farm, like that was like the dream.
0: Oh, We'd get to you, Boise. If you made it to Boise, you got to the other side of the river. Like you're coming up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're <were> coming up. <laughs> you know, getting a car and like being able to get on the freeway, like that was a big deal. So after school, I would drive into Boise and and bus tables. And uh, I remember like busting tables in a night, you can make like 100, 150 bucks. And I was like, whoa, beats picking rocks. Yeah, beats (laughs) picking rocks for 40 bucks for a whole day's (laughs) worth of work. And so it was like kind of that next level of like, Wow, I'm I'm seeing more abundance, and so I was working less hours and making more money, and then that kind of started to click into my head. I was like, "How do I get smarter about generating income?" And um, you know, everyone in in high school is you know pressuring you. Are you going into the military? Are you going into college? Are you going into a trade school? You know, everybody comes sets up at lunch and like, "Hey, come to like the auto tech trade school or the HVAC trade school." And I was like, ah, None of this really is like resonating with me. And uh, I was like, you know what? I don't actually know what I want to do. So I'm just going to just kind of cruise and just see what happens. So I kept working in Boise for a while. And then a good friend of mine that we were working with said, we were talking about doing this big world travel. And we had this big map in our basement. I was living with four of my best friends at the time. And we had all these pins all over the world of where we wanted to go. And my friend at the time, Adam, was actually obsessed with Lord of the Rings. So like New Zealand was like the Mecca. I was like, that's where we gotta get to. So we gotta figure out how to get to New Zealand. But we're like, instead of just flying straight to New Zealand, let's like plan out this whole trip. So like for a year, we're trying to plan out this whole trip and we're with this guy Bodhi and said, hey, we're gonna go travel the world. He said, before you guys do anything, just move to Maui, live there for a year, you'll meet the right people and you'll have friends along the way that will be able to kind of help you along because it's such a transient place and we're like, Okay, I'll, I'll go live in Hawaii. So at 19, I bought a one-way ticket. I had about $300 to my name. Didn't have any work lined up. Didn't have a house lined up. Didn't have a car lined up. And we just went around just like living on the beach and sleeping on the beach and eventually we met some people. <clears throat> we started doing some odd end jobs with them because they were construction guys. Uh, met this other kid and he let me like live in his backyard in a tent. And it rains a lot in Hawaii. I'm thinking like, oh, I'll just be in my sunny little tent. It'll be great. (laughs) It's like this. Just getting poured on. Went from homeless on the beach to essentially still homeless. Homeless in someone's backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I'm still coming up. Like, I'm not afraid I'm going to get robbed in the middle of the night, right? And Hawaii is relatively a safe place, but it's also kind of a dangerous place that people don't really realize. So, we just kept telling people, oh, we're just going to live on the beach here, you know, all over the place. Like, that's not the greatest idea. (laughs) It's not the greatest idea. So... Uh, got a job, you know, working at a, at a restaurant and, uh, like washing, I know I was washing dishes. I, I sell a photo of me where the dishes are stacked so high. I can't even see out of my thing. I'm like, I'm never getting out of here. Right. Is it been, Like a,
1: a nice restaurant.
0: It was a Ruth Chris steakhouse. Oh, Ruth Chris. Okay. Which every person that sits down uses like 18 yeah. dishes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not just one <laughs> dinner plate. And so. I remember just being like, wow, I gotta, I gotta figure something out. And one night I overheard the bartender outside smoking a cigarette, how much money he made. He so said he made like $500 in one night. And I was just like, that's the next level of abundance. Like I gotta get to there. So are the three other guys still with you? Uh, my, well, here's a funny story. So my best friend at the time, we, we moved out there together and we were posting all these photos of us at waterfalls. And cause back then MySpace was still a thing. <laughs> so we're posting all these videos and all of a sudden our friends just start showing up in Hawaii. <laughs> so it started out with two kids from Idaho. And then eventually we got a big house in the jungle and there was 13 of us. All from Idaho. All from Idaho. And uh, everyone called, like all of our friends in town call it like your own private Idaho. Cause we had like this Idaho compound <laughs> awesome. and people are living out of vans and they, you know we built a tree fort, And there's like three guys living in the <laughs> tree fort. And it became like this idaho like hippie compound and we're like we've made it like now we have a car we bought a car for 300 bucks it's an acura legend and we called it the legend because we'd fit eight people in there with six surfboards and like just drove the crap out of it and it just kept running for like two years i'm like i don't understand how that we didn't even put oil in it we could barely afford to put gas in it and it just kept going so it became the legend Eventually, we saved up enough money and we're like, okay, we, we've been here for a while. We've met people from all over the world. It was like such an amazing experience because we were literally just dropped in paradise and like figured out. So we learned about organic food and yoga and meditation and all these things that I was just like never exposed to. And I just got really excited about life because I was like, wow, all these people are, you know, they seem free, like they're coming and going and they're living on the island and they're traveling the world. I'm like, this is what I want to do. And so that was just like that next step of well, I'm just going to travel. Like, that's all I'm going to do. You never lost that. You never lost that that was the goal. Exactly.
1: And did you get the job as a bartender at Ruth's
0: Chris? Well, that'll come back in a, okay. in a bit. Okay. So uh, we ended up saving money. I didn't get a bartending job on on the island, but we're doing some catering and some other things. And uh, we saved up enough money to where we're like, okay, we're going to buy our around the world trip ticket. So we, we talked to a travel agency and we, we ended up buying like, I want to say 18 flights for like 2,500 bucks. <laughs> like, Cause it was all these different weird connections. And he's like, well, if you guys don't mind spending like a week in Fiji, there's like a layover to where then once you get to New Zealand, it'll be like a cheaper flight. So we're like, yeah, we'll spend a week in Fiji. Like, cool. So he planned the whole thing out and we're like, okay, all we know is like, once we get to those countries, we just got to Go figure, figure out, out money and then just make sure that we stay alive to that next date to get us to the next country. So that's what we did. We went to Fiji, spent time there, met a lot of amazing people, went to New Zealand, worked at this, you know, lodge, and it was it's right at Mount Doom. So everybody comes there from that are like Lord of the Rings people and want to do that hike. So we were meeting people from like everywhere because people in Europe would start traveling, you know, around the world that way, and we were coming the other way. So we were meeting all these kids in Gap year, like at the end of their travel. So then they're going back to Australia, they're going back to Indonesia, they're going back to the UK, and now so you got friends. Now we got friends, and I'm I'm writing it down in my notepad of like their name and their email, and like I don't have a computer or a phone. I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna email them, but I got their <laughs> contact information, right? And and then uh, about halfway through the trip, everyone's like, no, no one uses MySpace anymore. I want to use Facebook. So we got Facebook, and that was literally like our networking tool. We we're doing that and couch surfing. So couch surfing was a network back then. I I think it still might be around. But it was like a social media platform, but if someone had a spare bedroom or a spare couch, like you could just go and stay for free. So we we're kind of leveraging that, the friends that we had met, you know, getting dead end jobs, working wherever we could. We were painting houses, we were, you know, guiding on this, yeah, you know, at this lodge and just kind of piecing it together. You know, went to Australia, worked on an organic farm. It was completely off the grid. And just for meeting the most amazing people that like found their own little niche in life about how to just kind of do what they wanted. Some were well, all some weren't, but just were, a lot of people that were running into, like weren't really working a job or had like a traditional, you know, um, uh, like dream job, right? And so as we kept traveling, I kept meeting these people. And I remember we were in Bali and this guy was working on his laptop on the beach with a with a beer, like just in a swim shorts. And I saw him working there for a while and I like kind of look over at his screen and he's like, he's not on social media. He's just like, he's, he was like on eBay. I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "This is my job. Like, I flip stuff on eBay." I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "I buy stuff cheap and then I sell it for a little bit more." And I've lived in, you know, Bali for the last like eight months, and this is like my job. And it like my mind exploded. It was like, do you remember what your your job was at that time. So in Bali, actually the girlfriend that I had at the time came and visited me and she saved up a bunch of money cause she knew I'd be broke. So I was living like a king she in Bali. To, okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, but then you meet this guy, you're like, hey, I'm living like a king, but this guy, he's making a living with his feet in the sand yeah. and a laptop.
0: And he doesn't have to go home. Like I'm like, I have a short <laughs> window, you know what I mean? And so that had really stuck in my head of like, okay, I, there, people are making money on the internet interesting. Cause I'd never experienced that before. Like no one was talking about that in our town. And so, yeah, we kept traveling around the world. I went to like 12 different countries that year. Um, by the time we finished, I came all the way back around, uh, to the backside. So I left my, I came all the way back around. So I did a full loop around the globe that year in about 11 months changed my entire life was just, so passionate about life just wanted to keep traveling wanted to keep networking like really learn how to communicate with anybody which i think is a super valuable skill people want to start as an entrepreneur it's like you got to learn how to communicate before you can even go down that road right it's like you got to know how to find buyers you got to know how to find strategic partnerships you got to know how to negotiate deals like that's that's the most important skill of being an entrepreneur and i could just connect with anybody wherever we're at whether we were in nepal and could barely you know connect with someone. Like we. Uh, the little bit of Nepalese that I learned, I was able to build relationships and wow. families would invite us in to have dinner with them. And, you know, we're sitting on the floor in the dirt and like whatever they have, they're like sharing with us. And uh, it was just really, really magical and, and really opened my eyes to the possibilities. And I knew that I was like, I wanted to be a digital nomad. I wanted to be nomadic and be wherever I wanted to be in the world with whoever I wanted to be and not ever have to be anywhere. Like that was always my biggest fear is being locked into my hometown or some city that I didn't even wanna be in because of a job. So I thought, I don't know exactly what it is, but I just know that what I don't want. And I think that's really important for people to understand. It's like, if you don't know what you want, like start canceling out the things that you know that you don't want and that's just gonna keep moving you closer to the needle, right? Mm-hmm. So we get back to Maui, end up starting a clothing company with my girlfriend at the time and grew that quite a bit had no idea what we were doing, but we outgrew Hawaii. So we needed to move to California. And so we moved to California and I'm just seeing like so many different people being very successful in a lot of different ways, you know, people. The clothing company, are you selling online? Um, yes. Was kind of, is that your introduction from
1: Bali? Hey, this can be done clothing company. Wow. Yeah. We can,
0: we can expand our, our prospect pool. If we offer this over the internet. Exactly. And so I remember that guy flipping stuff. I'm like, well, we can get these shirts produced at this price. And now we can sell them for that price. And so at the time um, we were selling them um, a lot of like the pop-up shops, like at the markets and stuff in Hawaii. And then eventually got a couple shops to carry them. And then a couple of shops in Santa Monica wanted to carry them. And then, yeah, we just kind of outgrew. We're like, we need to go closer where production is. So We end up moving to Topanga Canyon because I was like, I'm not going to move to LA. I was like, I can do Topanga Canyon and still have like my hippie vibes going, like coming from (laughs) Maui straight to like the belly of the beast. I'm like, I don't think my nervous system can handle that. (laughs) (laughs) So so we get there and I mean, I'm just like, I'm just just, soaking up all the information that I can. I'm just like such a student of life where... Anybody that was doing anything interesting, I just wanted to sit with them and learn from them and 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 do whatever I could to kind of get closer to my my thing. So we had that going. I was doing a little bit of modeling because we were kind of connected in that world. And they're like, "Oh, we need a long-haired dude to model this hippie clothing." Anyways, then my hair was like down to here, <laughs> and was doing that. And then had some motor, some old motorcycles at the time. That- then I started renting out to um, photo shoots. And I found other friends that had old cars and then was kind of running my own little like rental thing. And I thought, well, this is really cool. Like, I don't even have to be there. And they're delivering the car and I'm making money. So I'm like, I'm starting to get closer and closer to this. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm making money without actually having to be there thing. Not quite connecting it fully to what it's become today, but it was just kind of that next step further. And um, I was going to massage school at the time, got that, started my own business with that. And which was doing really well, but I was just like getting burnt out. And I saw massage entities popping up all over the place. I'm like, how are these guys just popping up everywhere and people are lining up to go in there. And I was like, I didn't even understand what marketing was. And I was like, man, I got to figure this thing out. And so I remember I got on Yelp at the time and the one guy that was kind of like owning Yelp in Topanga Canyon, like retired. So I had a couple of reviews and all of a sudden everyone started calling me through the internet on Yelp. I was like, "Whoa, this is this is kind of cool for massage." Yeah. How did you get all the people
1: originally? You said it was going pretty well, but you didn't really understand marketing, just skill and word
0: of mouth. I was I was working at Equinox, and then I would take my high profile clients out of Equinox and um, and then like do house visits. Got it. And then then I wanted, but I was driving all over LA, and it was just like it was so much. <laughs> it was just like. You know how LA traffic yes. is. It's insane. I didn't even know traffic existed like that. You know, I came from a old country road. You know? I can imagine. <laughs> and um, so the Yelp thing started to work. And then I was just going down all these rabbit holes on the internet. I bought this used Apple laptop from some guy on Craigslist for, I want to say, like 400 bucks. And I was like, I got to figure, figure out what this thing is. So I started going down all these rabbit holes and I ended up reading this long blog that was talking about renting like how to rank sites like seo and i thought oh this is really cool i could do this for my business ended up joining a mentorship and they were teaching how to like rank and rent like map listings so they would rank and they would rank these map listings and then rent out those phone numbers to business owners so all the leads that were coming in organically it's like pay me 800 bucks a month for a a little you know phone number that i was essentially ranking on google my business Mm -hmm. which back then you could rank a a map listing in like a week, two weeks, like people had no idea how to really do it. So I became obsessed with that. And I thought I can start doing this for other businesses. So I just went all in. And at the time I had, I wanna say I had like a thousand dollars to my name, but let me back up a little bit. Cause we were talking about, oh, did you have the resources? Did you have somebody help you out? My father took his own life in 2010 mm-hmm. and, he didn't have really a whole lot to leave us, but he had a health insurance or he had a life insurance. It wasn't a ton of money, it was like a hundred grand, but we got that and I didn't understand how money worked. I didn't understand how to invest it. And within a year, that money was completely gone and I had nothing to show for it. I was down to my last $500 and I invested that with this group to understand lead gen. I knew that our fridge was full of food. I knew that my truck was full of gas. It could last me 30 days. I knew rent. We had about three weeks, so we had to pay rent again. I didn't tell my girlfriend at the time because I know she would have killed me. And I paid for it. And so I thought, I got three weeks to figure this out. And I can't go to family because they know that I just got money not too long ago. And you know, people talk about if I had money, I could be successful. No, you don't need the resources, you need to be resourceful. And I wasn't resourceful. I was like letting it kind of go all over the place and making dumb little investments, and it was gone like that. And I thought, "Whoa!" Because at that age, like hundred grand, I'm rich. That's so much money, and it and it's not like it's not at all. I went it went so quick. Well, I don't want to derail your your story,
1: but there's this whole process up to this point you've you've literally just lived on the edge yes right like the water is like right here the whole right? time. you're about to go under <laughs> the, right, whole, the time. whole time um, and I think anybody um, I mean me sitting here like this whole thing it makes me nervous right like oh it's gonna <laughs> look we're, there's a point where this like all just radically falls apart now we then jump to I'm in the crack house and I'm like how did this happen because we're like right on this edge where up to this point in your story, are you able to find, like, you're just like, well, here, I mean, the way you say it, well, the bridge is full, the gas tank's full. I mean, we got 30 days to figure it out. Where are you finding this calmness in the midst of what for most people would be absolutely nerve wracking to the point that they wouldn't even be able to figure out the next thing to do. You you get consumed with, Mm. oh my gosh, like I'm in trouble. I'm sinking. You never, you're going to countries, you don't even have a job, you don't have a place to stay, um, and f- watching your body language and your tone of voice, you're very calm about this, like I'm sure <laughs> you're just like, well, you know, we're going to go there, which also, by the way, is a very Hawaiian cultured kind of thing, right? Like just that aloha spirit, it's all going to be okay, but you're not actually Hawaiian, you just live there. So right. where are you getting that calmness in your spirit?
0: You know... I realized, you know, building up and getting work ethic and knowing that like, if I could always kind of figure it out because I was willing to do whatever it took, you know, I, I had that in me and I knew I was a good person. I wouldn't do anybody wrong. And I remember in Hawaii, actually there's two times where I got jumped and these guys like literally beat the crap out of me just for being a Holly. And I was like, well, I'm not made of glass. These are like big guys were beating the crap out of me in, in this alley. And, I was like, yeah, I'm not made of glass. Like I'm I think I'm stronger and and more able to get things done than I ever thought was possible. Okay, even that's weird though, right? Like you understand <laughs> that, right? Like most people would
1: be jumped in an alley and then immediately go into victim, right? The world is is out to get me. Um, you know, my just my luck. This always happens to me right when I'm about to get my big breakthrough, something bad happens to me. So again, you have, the, you, how are you, or is it just divine um, connection where you are learning the lessons that life is bringing you? Or can you trace it back to like, why, why are you so calm in the face of all of this adversity?
0: My girlfriend at the time told needed to start reading books. And I thought, why would I read books if I'm surfing? And she said... <laughs> Said so you just, you you have, she's like, you would, you have this energy where you attract a lot of amazing people in your life and you already kind of have like this universal knowledge that I don't even think that you're aware of. You should read some books to kind of put like some backing behind that. So I read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and The Law of Attraction. And both of those books were just like, the now is all you have, positive thinking all the time, everything that's coming at you is happening for you, not to you. And that was the message I got in the beginning. So I was like, all this is, you know, it's crazy. And I kind of like would thrive in chaos, as you can tell at this point. <laughs> um, it would just kind of reaffirm the theme of like, no, the world is a good place. Like the universe is a good place. Like there are amazing people out there. And I was experiencing this through travel. So I always thought that, oh, like I'm gonna, I would always have my best friends back. I would always have strangers back. Like I just would think someone would do the same for me. And I just always had that really positive mentality that kind of let me go through those situations and just always be like extremely optimistic. I, I want to, this, this will
1: obviously, I'll just let everybody know if you're on your treadmill, this will be one of our longer episodes. Um, so just plan for that. But I want to I dive into this because um, people accuse me, I agree, thriving in chaos. And people have accused me, I, I don't agree to this, but people have accused me of creating chaos in a situation so that I can thrive. Like, I do my best work when everybody else loses their mind, when everybody else thinks that we cannot win, when everybody else is throwing in the towel, I thrive in that situation. You just said literally the same thing, thrive in chaos. Um, what do you think about that? Do you, to make that assessment of yourself, is there a degree of self-realization that, hey, because I don't think anybody, I mean, I, my, I, myself, I don't want chaos. I'm not like, I don't wake up and say like, I hope today's chaotic. Like, I don't want that. But is there any degree of self-realization that like, hey, maybe on this journey, um, I have intentionally, with some degree of of conscious or subconscious intention, set a, a table for it to be chaos so that I could learn these lessons, so that I could learn that I'm not made out of glass, so that I could learn resourcefulness, so I could learn to read books, to glean knowledge from other people's wisdom and experience. And is that a byproduct of the chaos that you may have created in your own life?
0: I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's definitely some truth. To I mean, I create a lot of chaos. I mean, I went through a lot of <laughs> near-death experiences for sure. About there surfing or, <laughs> or even more extreme? I mean, and avalanches and backcountry skiing. And I mean, you name it. I, uh, what was that book? Into the Wild? Mm-hmm. Um, where he literally, this young kid like takes off and essentially does what we do, but he like burns all of his money, cuts up his IDs. And he's like, I'm just, I trust in people and humanity and just goes on this crazy journey of like hitchhiking around the country and meeting amazing people. And he's like, if, if you, what was it saying? He's talked about like, if you have not- nothing, then you have everything to give. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's pretty profound. And so I was kind of exploring that concept of, man, and if I don't have anything, I got to be really out there and I got to really be connecting with people to make sure that like, I'm going to get fed. I'm going to have a house to sleep in. I'm going to have these things is I wanted to put myself in these extreme situations to kind of just see how I would handle it. So yes, to your right, point, to learn the lessons. there there definitely was some of that. And that book really inspired me to like, just keep exploring that because that's the thing. Like when it talks about stress and anxiety, it's like when you have a big obstacle come up in business or in your life, it's like the first time it's kind of scary, but then you overcome it. And then the next time it happens, you're just kind of like, whatever, you're, you're get a lot better at putting out fires. You've already
1: you, been punched in the yeah. face. You know, you're not made of glass. Yes.
0: yes. You, you don't let it consume you anymore. Right? Because when we are sitting there and thinking about it and in this fear state, then it's actually the, the anxiety and the fear of the outcome that stops us from getting through it rather than the actual situation. So, I agree. Yes. Part of it was the chaos that I created. And the other part of it was, you know, it's just, it's a wild world. <laughs> it's a wild world. <laughs> it's
1: a wild world. <laughs> okay. So we're in, um, it, it, you're in the massage business. Yep. You start to learn this idea about rankings, yep. SEO, ranking for Google, my business. Then how do we jump out of trading time for money? inside or at a, a client's home
0: doing massages? So a few of my clients were like extremely wealthy. I remember being in this giant house in Malibu is probably a 20, $30 million property. Great clients, really good friends. They're always like very encouraging about all my entrepreneurial endeavors that I was doing. And I'd kind of bounce ideas off of them. And I'm, I uh, just got done with uh, working on the wife and her husband drives in this brand new Ferrari and parks it in the thing and he comes there, honey, come down and see the Ferrari. And we go in there and we, I'd never been that close to a Ferrari before and I sit inside of it and I was just like, holy smokes, this is a nice car. And I was like, and then I was like, okay, what do you guys actually do? And he's like, well, I have one of the largest carpet manufacturers in the in the country. He's out of the Midwest. And he uh, yeah, had just made millions and millions and millions of dollars in the eighties and the nineties. And he's still, he's in this beautiful home in Malibu and all this stuff's happening. And so it was just kind of like the same reoccurring theme kept showing up. And I was like, okay, and there's so much money in LA. At first I was intimidated by it, but then I was really inspired by it and saw people really doing amazing things and building big companies and like living a great life and having that perfect balance. And I was like, man, I, that was just that next thing of that reinsurance of like, no, you're you're meant for something bigger. You're meant for something bigger. Because I was like, man, you put me to any task, any challenge, I'm going to figure it out. So I thought if I start doing that for my own business, like what could happen? So I start kind of figuring out the rank and rent thing. And at the time, I had another client in Laguna Beach, had this beautiful house right on the water. And I was still, they were still my clients. I'd go down there and I asked him, oh, well, what do you do? I was like, oh, I have a, I'm at the you know, top of a big network marketing company and I make 80 grand a month whether I work or not. And I was just like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> like, but I kept getting kind of the same message. And uh, I was like, well, how do I do that? He's like, you just need to find an amazing product where you can help a lot of people and it'll continue to add value to their lives without you being there. I was like, okay, I'm getting closer. And so I'm, I'm figuring out the rank and rent thing and I'm like, okay, now I'm getting to where I only got about two weeks left. You know, and I'm like, I can't keep running all over town doing massage. Like, I need to sit and figure this stuff out and land a client, like, ASAP. So I'm like, I remember my phone sitting there. I'm like, I just got to start cold calling people. And I'm freaking, I'm sweating. I'm just staring at my phone. I'm just walking back and forth. I'm like, I don't know who I'm going to call. I don't know what I'm going to say. I thought, okay, chance just take one step, for, one step closer to it. So I get on my laptop, and I'm looking at some of the businesses, like, kind of around me that don't have map listings or aren't showing up. I said, okay, I'm just gonna make a list of 10. I'm gonna call all 10 of them before I go to sleep tonight. So I pick up the phone, call the first one, they don't answer. I'm like, yes, they didn't answer, yes. I'm like, okay, one down. <laughs> go on to the next one. They answer, uh, hey, is is the boss man in? That was like my in. Hey, is, let me talk to the, the head honcho. Like I wasn't like, hey, I'm a marketer or whatever. Yeah. Like kind of old, like how my grandpa would talk to people, yeah. right? And. Like, no, he's not in call back later. Okay. Third one call. Hey, the boss does answer. Hey, um, I got some leads that I want to send your electrical business. I was wondering if we could meet up. No, not interested. Click. It's like, okay. Fifth one I call and it's this limousine company. They do like limousine rentals, party buses, chauffeur cars. And I'm like, Hey, I got a bunch of party bus rentals and I'm just looking to hand them off to somebody. He's like, really? Like, like how many? I was like, Oh, probably like, I'm just making this up. Probably like one or two a day. He's like, "Yeah, I'll take them." I was like, "Well, can I come meet you in your office?" He's like, "Absolutely. Come by. Come by tomorrow." So I go by, and I'm in my old beat up pickup truck, and I pull up, and it's in this kind of shady area, and in, in the San Fernando Valley, like everyone's got these big like crazy fences around their their houses, and and there's these giant Armenian dudes standing outside, and I'm just like what am I getting myself into? Like he <laughs> runs a limousine company, but I wonder what other that business doesn't... he's in. But I parked my truck down the road cause I didn't want Let them, them see to it. see it. And so I walk up and I ring the doorbell and the gate opens up and I walk in and I'm like, Hey, I'm here to see Andy. And they're just like the nicest guys ever. Like, yeah, man, come on in. And so we sit down and I just start going through it and I'm showing what all of his competitors are doing and how they're doing it. And like, he doesn't have map listing set up and I said, well, you need a map listing for all of your services and we'll pop these things up all over LA so you can be getting chauffeurs, party buses, but they will be all over the place because the map listings are all geo-targeted. So like if you're searching for a limousine company in Santa Monica, your spot in Venice isn't gonna show up. So I started, I was like, well, let's just set all these things up. And he said, okay, how much is it gonna be? I said, well, it's a thousand bucks per one per month. And so I said, we should probably start out with five because you have five different services and he said, I want to get there, but let's start out with two. I said, "Great, you just want two sides? Great, it'll be, it'll just be two grand." He's like, "Cool, let me go grab my checkbook." And he goes over and grabs his checkbook, writes it out for two thousand, hands it to me, and I'm free. I'm shaking. I'm like, I don't know, like imposter syndrome, right? Like I haven't done this yet. I know how to do it. I know I'm gonna. <laughs> Be right by this guy, but I don't have any clients. And he asked me, Do you work with any other limousine companies? I'm like, Yeah, but you know, I can't share their information, you know. <laughs> I keep my clients' uh stuff personal because, you know. And uh so I get out in my truck and I start bawling. I just start crying in my truck, you know, the checks all wet. And I was like, It's real. Like all of those because the universe gives us clues, it gives us if if we're open and we're listening, right? And a, a, a motto that we have in our in abundance is be a one mistake learner. So if you get a no, learn from that and then go from that. Or if you fail, like don't keep repeating the same thing over and over again or so you're just gonna keep living the same life and not getting what you want. So I was like, holy smokes, this worked. So I drive home, I'm all excited, get home and I just show my girlfriend the check. I'm like, look at that, 2000 bucks for about an hour conversation, she's like, are you selling drugs? <laughs> I was like, no, why would, like, no. Who writes a check for drugs? She's like, she's like, who writes a check for drugs? And then she's like, and I know you're doing massage therapy. Like, are you doing like happy ending massages now? Like what's going on here, man? I was like, no, I started this marketing thing and I didn't want to tell you because I invested the last of our money. So it was like the whole like truth conversation. And she was really mad. And then she was really excited. She's like, is this for like, what's going on? I started showing it to her and like showing her how many businesses needed this. She's like, great, go get some groceries. Cause we're out of freaking groceries. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that was like the moment where I was like, okay, I'm onto something. I see value in it. They see value in it. I knew as a massage therapist that I wanted leads badly. Like I was willing to pay whatever it took to, you know, get leads coming in and be able to scale it. So. I got home and immediately started building out all of his stuff. And since I had that momentum, I just started freaking calling people the next day. I was like, instead of 10, I'm going to call 20. And it was just like hammering it. And then I was like doing some research and thing like, where do business owners hang out? And I didn't know about chamber of commerce meetings. I didn't know about BMI meetings. And in LA, for every suburb, there's a BMI and a, a chamber of commerce. So I went through the entire internet of like that whole area, even all the way down to like, um, you know, San Diego and looked at all of them and literally filled up my whole calendar for the next 60 days. And I was at two to three networking events every day for like 60 days straight. I said, so instead of cold calling, I'll just go and buy them lunch and hang out and gather business cards. And I remember at the end of that first week had like just a huge stack of business cards. And so then it was a different conversation calling them up. I'm like, Hey Sean, what's up? You know, we met at that networking event. I want—I just want to, you know, set up some some things for you and get your get your sites really going. Ended up landing a dentist from the Malibu Chamber of Commerce, an electrician from the LA Chamber of Commerce, and then it just started going. And about after like I think seventy-eight days, I hit ten grand a month, and was just like I'm I'm all in and just became absolutely obsessed. Stop drinking, stop going out, uh, stop going to auditions. Just cut everything out because I don't remember who I was listening to, but like, whatever's not getting you closer to your dream, just cut it out. Like there's no, there's no gray area here. It's either white and black. You're either working towards it or working away from it. And I thought, okay, every single minute that I'm awake, I'm working on this thing. Cause I'm like, I got to get this thing ramped up. Still operate that way today. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know i've learned lessons and Meltzer says this you know a couple of times He's like millionaires will go bankrupt probably twice in their life because they'll let off the gas and i'd heard people say it in other contexts where i thought i don't want to be in that situation and so yeah i just kept building it ended up hiring a, a really awesome sales guy at uh, i went to the first biohacking convention with dave asprey and there's all these like high vibe people so i got into biohacking which gave me more energy and um, really started taking care of myself because I was like, man, I need the energy to really build this thing and started building a team. And that just kept growing and growing and growing. And then a couple of years later, you know, people were saying, well, how did you grow that thing so fast? And, you know, I started niching down and only working with like high-end clients. I was only working with attorneys and cosmetic dentists, plastic surgeons, because yeah, for them to cut a check for five grand a month was like a drop in the bucket for them. And back then we were, we were selling... Uh, cost for case acquisition. So for every case I brought a personal injury attorney, he paid me three grand instead of paying per lead or like a flat retainer. So we were able to scale up and get clients are paying us like you know 12, 15, 20 grand a month. I thought, okay, now we're now we're really now we're really cruising, and yeah, I just kept going from there. And then, yeah, people were asking me how I scaled my agency co- so quickly. So I was coaching a lot of people just like, cause I loved it. I was obsessed. And that's, what's so important with entrepreneurship. Like you got to get obsessed. Like you got to be passionate about what you're doing or else you're going to run out of steam. So anything I could learn about marketing and at the time Gary V was like really coming up, which is cool that I'm out here, you know, going to see him this weekend. He was super inspiring. And I saw these people just really taking it to the next level. And I thought, you know, I want that to be me and just kept surrounding myself with the right people that were rolling in the same direction, lost a lot of friends along the way because they just weren't, you know, we weren't having the same conversations and I just, you know, nothing like, there's nothing wrong with that. It was just like, I got to make room for the people that I want my life to help get me to that next level, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, relationship wise. So now you have a ton of stuff going on in your life. You play
1: golf. Um, I want to hear your answer to this. Um, usually around probably hole six. See, yesterday it was around hole six. I played with some guys I didn't know. They say, so Chance, so what do you do? Um, today, with what you have grown this into, no longer just um, rank and rent, What do you? what's your
0: answer to that? What do you do? I teach skills of the digital age, and I help people take their first abundant leap. So that was a couple of years later, we created MM and we started teaching people how to run agencies and we built software so that they could generate um, leads better on Google. Uh, eventually we created a, like a drag and drop, you know, SaaS product that we use now. And we just started growing that. Um, now we have 8,000 students in that, in that one program. And I thought, man, like where was this when I was really getting started? Cause you had to teach yourself. Yeah. Basically. I, I took a little bit from here, a little bit from there. Um, you know, my business partner today, Abdul is, was a great mentor to me and still is. And we've been partners ever since. And I was like, man, I, not everybody wants to run an agency. So let's find these other low barrier to entry business models where we can help teach people if they want to be in real estate or e-com or, so we started, you know, once you get in that, space. Like we started going to events and meeting people that are doing really cool things, but never even thought about a course or a coaching business or an educational platform. So for, you know, we partnered with a good friend of ours, Tom and scaled up his Amazon business. So now he's got about 8,000 students in that and we call it platform arbitrage. So if you want to start a business, first time entrepreneur, like don't go start something from scratch. You don't understand marketing, you don't understand sales, you don't understand product market fit, you don't understand production, shipping. I mean, there's so many variables as you know. So like if you build a business on Airbnb, it's like the buyers and sellers are already there, right? And so there's massive opportunity. You don't have to figure all that out. Go find where the money's already going and just like get in the middle of it. So we're teaching people essentially how to have rental arbitrage e-com arbitrage, like just be the middleman or middle woman of the deal and you make great money. That's exactly what I was doing online. I knew people were searching for businesses. I knew businesses wanted customers. I'm just going to help, you know, connect them. So we applied that mentality to now Kendall and a 0% down real estate acquisition model, um, working on like some, some trading bots and, and some trading courses. And it just kept Scaling to now what abundance is today, where we have, you know, 150 employees and a big office in Vancouver and have now had the privilege of coaching about 25,000 students uh, on, on the platform.
1: I love that. We were just, I don't know when this is going to air, James. Um, we just had a recent guest that built a billion dollar business in real estate, just being the middleman. So all, all of that all that he did was that he he knew the people that had the inventory and he knew the buyers and he says, and he never had to um, he never had to leverage debt He said so you know the buyers were leveraging debt and he just knew he, he just connected the people. Um, and so very much yours is actually easier because you're talking about platforms that exist and just jumping in the middle and, and making those connections, plugging the, the, you know, the outlet into, you know, plugging the plug into the outlet and, you know, producing magic. Mm-hmm. Um, the company abundance.io, that's where people can, can find you um, this common theme though. So you explained this idea of, you know, the digital first step. Um, what about this abundance part? Why is that so important? How often is the mindset an obstacle to being able to pull this off? It sounds great, like, yeah, just Airbnb, jump right in the middle. I'll be, I'll have tons of money. Um, why, why then, why not call it platform arbitrage? Why is abundance
0: so important to you? It's a great question. <clears throat> I knew that, because I'd worked on my mindset a lot before I really started that first business. I was a lot into personal growth, meditation, breath work. Like I was already really working on myself because especially I saw my dad once he had mental illness and and pass, I was like, man, I don't want that to happen to me or anybody else that I love because it was really painful to watch him go through it. It was obviously really painful for us as children to experience that. And I was like, I don't want my mind to ever be sick. And so I became obsessed with mental health, personal development, because I knew at some point if I was looking through the right lenses when I saw the right opportunity, I would know how to take advantage of that situation, you know? Um, so abundance, like in order to have abundance, because then at, at one point I had a, lo- a lot of money and then my relationship abundance wasn't there or like it was always kind of out of whack, right? Or I wasn't taking as good a care of myself as I should and was really focused on the finances. So it was, it's all, it was always kind of this juggling act. And I thought, well, if you can create abundance in, in all three of those, areas, you know, health, relationships, and finance, then that's really when you can live an abundant life. And so that's like the core training with abundance is, you know, right when you enter in, you like go through an actual entrepreneurial quiz to figure out what your archetype is. Are you a socializer, a coach, a founder, or an engineer? And then based on those traits and weaknesses, then you can really find like the right business model for you. Well, at that point, you speak as an advisor, we hired like 30 therapists through COVID that lost their jobs. And so you speak with therapists on our team that we've taught like personal development. So like you're speaking with people that really understand um, the mind and help people create that abundantly. Because when you go from working as a W to becoming a business owner, it's a completely different thing. Like no one's there to tell you what to do. Like you are in power, that's why you're able to hit those numbers and have that life because you're willing to take on the responsibility to really grow something. You have no more, you don't have a cap to your income anymore. But people got to go through that process to really understand it. So at the beginning of any of those businesses, it's all mindset and accountability, time management. You know, protect your brain power. Like you know, people talk about money and time being your most valuable resource, but. In the book Deep Work, he talks about your brain power is the most valuable resource. Cause like yeah, sure you got twelve hours in a day, but like after you eat lunch, like you ain't performing as well as you did between six a.m. and eleven a.m. And I remember my my stepdad said you'll make all your millions of dollars before ten a.m. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what he meant by that until I started protecting that time. Cause even when you start a business and you still have all these other distractions, it's like I once I learned to turn off all my notifications, turn everything off. That's when business really started to grow because I was protecting my brain power. So that's a big thing that we talk about in abundance because when that is the most abundant thing that you have, cause it's going to allow you to figure out tough situations it's going to allow you to figure out the issues that you're having in your health um, in your relationships, you know, with your family to like really become a, a better human because they talk about like even in corporate America, it's like the, you know, the owner's probably making only one difficult decision a week you got middle management that's making one or two difficult decisions a day. And then you got the employees that are making a lot of really tiny decisions all day long, Mm -hmm. right? So the brain can only make very few difficult decisions in a day or a week. So you got to be protecting your, your mind to be able to handle that.
1: What, what does that entail? Just between in the early mornings, do you, are you on some sort of a win the day morning routine? Um, or does that mean silence? What, what does that mean, protecting your, your, your brain?
0: So, you know, I'll get up at 5.30 or 6. it's kind of depends on when my son gets up. But I get up, meditate. Uh, I meditate in my sauna for 20 minutes, get out, do my breath work, cold plunge, spend some time with my son, and then and then write to work. Um, and then, you know, by 8, I'm usually sitting down or standing at my stand desk, and from 8 to noon is just like produce, 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 whatever that is entails for that day, if it's creating new content, if it's coaching up my leaders, whatever it is, it's like up until that point, I'm not looking at emails. I'm not, you know, my family knows that, you know, that's my time that I need to be my best self so that I can take care of my family. And then after that, it's like, <clears throat> yeah, more phone calls and, you know, JV partnerships and things of that nature. That's <clears throat> a little more, you know, I don't need my my full brain power to do that. Kind of ramp it up, tail it off. Yep.
1: One of the things Lacey and I talk a lot about is um, this concept of, of everybody loves morning routines, but most people don't have. So I'm interested if in the back side of this, um, most people don't have a midday, they don't have a halftime adjustment. Sometimes I would imagine in that initial four hours, by the end of that, um, very little has gone into plan. Like you're like, oh, you know, I, I thought it was going to take this amount of time, or you know, I, I I had a a fire that I had to put out. Even it could be just on un- personal. Maybe maybe your your son comes in and you you're interrupted, or you know, your son's crying because he fell. And most people have the tendency to allow that to just totally wreck the whole rest of the day. Um, I think in sports, um, especially in team sports, halftime adjustments are critical. Um, oftentimes, games are won in the fourth quarter, yep. right? Um, what do you, what is your take on that? Um, how does that play out in your life, if at
0: all? Yeah, so I started meditating like six, seven years ago. So twenty minutes in the morning, and then twenty minutes in the afternoon. So around one thirty, I'll meditate, and it's kind of like my reset. I'll go lay in the sun. I'll go to the beach. If we're at our spot in Laguna, I'll get my, you know, my feet in the sand. If we're in Idaho, I'll jump in the lake. I go get in water or. Break away from it again and get some grounding in, um, you know, take a walk, say a gratitude prayer, something along to kind of reset. If I am going to push for a for a longer day or get my workout in, so that's kind of my midday, and then and then from you know two to four, I really kind of finish out my day, and then you know four to four to nine is is family time going down.
1: Um, how can people get a hold of you if
0: they want more
1: chance in their life?
0: More chance and more abundance. Uh, Well, my Instagram is chance underscore Welton. There's a lot of fake ones out there, a lot um, that are trying to scam people. So watch out for that. You're not selling crypto on Instagram? Nope. Okay. (laughs) Did did my other. No, but that's usually usually the scam. That's what it is. Yeah. Have have you thought about crypto investing? (laughs) Uh, So I don't direct message you first, just so you guys know. Uh, And then abundance.io. So you can go there, you can take the quiz, you figure out what your archetype is. Um, and then from there, it's like, yeah, you can kind of start to see some of the different business models. Right now we have five partners by the end of this year, we'll have 10. So we're looking at, uh, you know, other, you know, people that are listening in that have a great concept that they've made great money doing it. It's a low barrier to entry, like thinking outside of the box type of business model. Definitely contact me. Cause we're always looking for, for partners to help them grow. Um, Cause a lot of our partners were, yeah, making, you know multiple six or seven figures and never even thought about being a coach. And it's really cool to see somebody go from, you know entrepreneur to leader to like impact and thought leader. Right. And then to see them have transformation then also help so many others transform. Like uh, a couple of my good buddies that run the Airbnb, you know, it's just been really cool to watch them develop. And now they're like just powerhouse dudes. So, Well, if you're a part of any of our communities from Black Diamond Club, Book Yourself
1: Solid, any of the stuff that we are doing, I'm sure that you will see more of Chance around in the upcoming weeks and months ahead. Um, I look forward to spending some time with you this weekend. We're going to be at um, several functions together um, in relation to VCon. And I hope that um, you guys will look forward to seeing Chance around the None of Your Business podcast, Black Diamond Club community, Book Yourself Solid community here in the near future Chance, Thanks for dropping in. Special guest holding down Lacey's spot today. We really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Great to be here. And I have my podcast as well. So when you get out on the West Coast, we'd love to have you on the Abundance podcast as well.
1: Absolutely. Chance is all things abundance. And I know so many of you really um, struggle with this. It's a known thing. Like you sit and think, like I really struggle with abundance. And um, like I was saying, Lacey has done so much work on this and in you know watching her journey i know that there are moments when she knew even today where she'll say i know that this is an old mindset creeping in um so i want to encourage everybody to connect with chance there's nobody who can um who who would not be able to use more abundance in your life you know one last thing chance i always uh, talk to people in, in in philosophical conversations you know, we talk about like a universal intelligence, or on the spiritual side, and I, and I always say, you know, David Meltzer says, you know, there's a a power greater than than you who loves you more than than your mom loves you, and I always ask people, like, so when when you hear that concept, do you have an idea of what it is? And people are like, yeah, and I say, well, see, that's it's not that. Whatever you thought it is, it's not that. And I think abundance is the same way. It's an ongoing process. Like whenever we say abundance, everybody on the other side of the camera or listening to the podcast, they, you have an idea of what you think it is. But it's not that. It's actually more than that, right? Like, can you explain that? Like, with maybe when we say abundance, somebody just thinks financially. But it's it's you know it's more than that. And you mentioned health and relationships, and I would say yeah, but it's more than that. Like, it's just abundance in everything. It's every single cell. It's every single um, organism on the planet can live in a state of abundance, um, and it's really incomprehensible to our limited, educated minds, right? And when you get a taste of it, as you have, um, it begins to open and expand your mind because you're like, wow, this is out there. Um, How do I tap into that more? Well, we're here to tell you today that Chance is a great resource and tool for you to tap into that and explore what really is possible, opening up your minds, opening up your heart to be open to receiving the truly unexpected, greater than your wildest dreams, but I got to tell you, I say this every every podcast too. I've never seen anybody become abundant listening to a podcast. You've got to do stuff. So you're going to have to get, you know, get your phones out. You're going to have to go to abundance.io. You're going to have to send Chance a direct message. You're going to have to take a chance on Chance. You're going to have to say, hey, what about me? Can you help me? Because just listening to a podcast is great and we appreciate you being with us but that's not enough to move the
0: needle. You got to move to Maui if you want yeah. to make the breakthrough, right? You got to <laughs> yeah. do something crazy. <laughs> that's it, right. Cause also like I was talking about Sam uh, with this a little while ago, but getting in those extreme situations really shows you who you are as a human, you know? And that's why I love extreme sports so much. Cause like when you're jumping out of an airplane or dropping out on a wave, it's like, you are in the now. It's like, can I handle this? Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much about myself and I, uh, I go after business the same way, where I love just putting myself in those situations to see like how I'm gonna how I'm gonna handle it because it just makes me better as a person, you know. Because that's what I love so much about the game of entrepreneurship. I really think it is a game. Like you're always getting better. You're always getting better with strategy. You're always improving it. You look at pro athletes; they're always working on their craft. You know, in golf, like we both love golf. It's like Tiger Woods would spend freaking eight hours a day putting when everybody want, just wants to be out playing and just like hitting on the driving range and hitting the long ball. It's like, no, you gotta break down every piece of your game and work on it. Same thing with entrepreneurship, especially when you're getting started and you're a one-man shop or a one-woman show. You gotta get good at sales, you gotta get good at marketing, you gotta get good at hiring, you gotta get good at legal, you gotta get good at all of these things, accounting. Like it's not the fun stuff, but like you gotta you gotta work on those aspects so that you can take it to the next level. So also when we talk about abundance, it's like it's not our fault that we're not thinking in an abundant way. And what I mean by that is growing up in our educational system, we're spoon-fed poverty mentality. Absolutely. Where you know money doesn't grow on trees, money's hard, there's not enough time in the day. In order to get X, Y, Z, you got to go to school for 12 years and be in all this debt. And then you're, you know, people are like, oh, if you make 100 grand a year, you've made it. And it's like, you can't retire on that. You can barely even get by on 100 grand. Well, I'll give you one
1: more. Myron Golden taught me, they teach you, Johnny had, Johnny had five candies. He gave chance two candies. How many candies does Johnny have? And the answer is, well, where'd Johnny get the five candies? Right. <laughs> Johnny can get as many candies as he wants, so why are we playing the zero-sum game? Right? And so even that, teaching us math concepts, disconnects us from abundance Absolutely. Right? because it's not a zero-sum game. Absolutely. Powerful. I want to encourage everybody, once again, abundance.io, Chance Welton. Thank you so much for hanging in with us. I'm going to have James put a little trailer, a little little James Voice of God message in here for those of you that don't listen on 1.5 or 2x speed. This will be a 1.5 or 2xer so you can get your full cardio in. We always say it. I don't know how we top this one. We'll try again next week. Bring on a new guest, or maybe it'll just be Lacey and I. You'll have to wait and see. Next week, don't miss the next edition of the None of Your Business Podcast.